Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I am John Harris. We have on the end there Raul Drip, and then we got Gordon Sanchez. Hello, folks. Some of you recognize them from some of their videos. Actually, real quick, before we get started, why don't you just plug um, your channels or wherever people can find you. Where, what, what's your uh, YouTube you know, channel? It's called Itching Ears Productions, uh, playing off of the 2 Timothy 4-3 uh, verse Paul's warning about you know, uh, beware uh, those who are looking to tickle your itching ears. And uh, my cat has very itchy ears. And those two, uh, that image and the verse kind of came together and sort of satirizing the uh, evangelical industrial complex's uh, <laughs> compromise and yeah. how that continues. So, well, it's, it's funny. It's, it's therapeutic, your material for people who are frustrated and just wonder sometimes, hey, why don't these, these evangelical elites, why don't they get it? And... So you, you do some very clever videos. And then um, well, Gordon, working. Yeah, you know, go to YouTube, type in Gordon Sanchez. There's only one of me. <laughs> that's probably yeah. one. Probably Twitter, true. Gordy for Justice. That's the number four. Roman numeral IV if you speak Roman. And you'll never be touched in the purge because you're so woke. So You're, you're untouchable. You're <laughs> I'll probably inimitable. instigate the purge. You, you, yes, I'm about to be canceled by you. So... There's a few things uh, we're going to cover. Um, I don't know if we'll how in depth we'll get. We'll just see where the conversation takes us. But we're going to talk first about um, the project we're doing, just a little bit, why we're together, because you are probably wondering as you're watching this. And then we're going to talk a little bit just about. I I, I saw two things that um, one one I saw on, on Twitter. One was sent to me this morning, but an article and then a Twitter status. We can talk about kind of two big Eva types and what they're saying, and it's pretty. I think, representative of the narrative that's out there. And then uh, we can talk a little bit about, and I don't know how long we'll have to develop this one, but I wanted to talk about uh, news sources. So talk about like we could where you get your news sources. I'll talk about what I read, what I trust, what my process is for figuring out whether something's authentic or not, whether I should listen to it, because um, that's something that we have talked about a little bit on the podcast, but... Uh, I'm just finding out right now, uh, and I'll, I'll give some scenarios of why I'm finding this out, but that some people are trusting sources that I would not necessarily see as credible. Um, CNN being the top of the list, but there are others. So uh, let's start though with the project. So we are in, we're in Chicago right now, and uh, we all came from different places, and we're doing a project, and some of you know about Nini's Deli, and that whole story of Juan Riesco, and what happened to him and his church. And as we've been here, we've been, I, I, I'll speak for myself, I've been blown away with how just terrible the situation is, but also impressed with how resilient and faithful and brave uh, the people at uh, Juan's church and, and his family and how they've been just as positive as can be, um, trusting the Lord through this situation. And and there's so, so many details to this, but for those who don't know, the long and short of it is, Juan took a stand uh, for Christ, for scripture, and ended up, um, Black Lives Matter wanted to cancel him. Uh, we're finding out now that the church he went to, MPI Church, was already on the mayor's list because of uh, they met uh, about a month into the COVID lockdown. They decided to start meeting, so they were fined by the mayor. And so, the, so the, it's like 2020 in the story. You got COVID uh, lockdowns, you got... Um, the Black Lives Matter narrative and, and how that basically shut down 
Juan's restaurant, uh, his family was threatened, the pastor was threatened, their church was threatened. They had to skip town. It's, just a, it's a t- terrible story uh, with how aggressive people were against him in the local community after he was kind of like number one. He was the big deli in Chicago. And then, um, and then obviously the gospel is part of this narrative as well because uh, they're, they're not defeated. He, he gave it all. He gave up everything to follow Christ. And... Uh, and it's because he's been radically changed. And um, so anyway, that's that's in a very short nutshell. Why don't you guys talk about what's hit you about just the story? What, what are you feeling right now? Um, I got to conduct a lot of the interviews yesterday. I would say, I mean, I knew a little, a little bit about the story before we came. But for me, it's just been what I didn't expect. I, I mean, we were in Chicago when we were young for like a couple of days, I think, but I, I don't really know Chicago that well. Um, you know, coming from the Northeast, the Northeast is kind of a spiritually, I usually say dark, especially if I'm in the South and I'm talking to people. If I have friends in the Bible Belt and I explain to them what things are like in the Northeast, I usually say, um, well, it's sort of a darkness you can feel, you know, just because there's the Christian presence is not really as, as great. There's not as many biblically sound churches. Um, Chicago is like that and then some. It's a very spiritually dark place. Maybe one of the most I've been to. Um, so that that was, and that was like immediately impressed, like shortly after landing, I feel like in Chicago. So um, that makes the Christians here just shine that much brighter. Um, and sort of what was impressed upon me, it's, the whole thing has been just a massive personal challenge uh, to me because... These Christians, some of them who have been, most of them who have been persecuted above and beyond what I ever have, um, there's just no, like, there's no regret. There's no, it's like nothing but joy. They tell you how they've been persecuted with these giant smiles on their faces. Um, And, you know, and there's hard stuff. And, like, when the film comes out, you'll see that there's emotional. um, It was very, very tough. But, you know, when they're talking about actually getting persecuted, it's almost like, you know, I, I don't know if you would got this sense too, but it's almost like they're talking about this good time that they had, <laughs> you know, like it's just, um, it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember when this happened, yeah, I remember when this happened. The story is insane. Um, a, a couple of times, we did about seven interviews yesterday and, and towards the, um, towards the end of the day when we we're wrapping up, we've, we've, all of us have said it at one point or another, it's like peeling an onion uh, this story, every time you peel a layer, you find that there's another one there, and it's thicker than the one before. And I um, was filled with something between shock, rage, and just my mind being blown that no no major, not just like Christian publication or Christian media outlet, but like no media outlet, period, has really found this story to be worth looking into. And it's it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's like you said, it's 2020 yeah. in a story. This is one of the most important stories of 2020, I think, for the church. Um, and, you know, and we're the guys who are like telling it. You know, we're just, a, we're just a couple of guys telling the story. So I feel immensely privileged to have been able to take part in it. But I think it's a massive shame that it, it's, taken it's taken this long to tell plus it. months, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and on that note, yeah, people who have been very generous, you've been very generous, many of you watching this or listening, uh, we have in the info section, you can find our Give, Send, Go 
for funding this project. And we figured it would cost about, with all the travel expenses and rentals for cameras and because um, we had to fly uh, Juan and his brother up here and we, we had to fly out and we, you know, food and it just everything, you know, expenses of where to stay. It's editing probably about $10,000 to do this right. And, um, and, and we've raised a lot. We've raised, last I checked, it was over five. I'm not sure where it's at now. Uh, and I, I said at the beginning, I said, I'll cover this. Whatever we don't have, we're going we're gonna to do this. So if you're still interested in donating to that, um, I appreciate those who already have. And uh, you're more than welcome. This is going to be a powerful story. And one of the things I, I kept thinking is that, you know, in many parts of the country, Bible Belt areas, especially where there's a lot of evangelical churches, um, I could probably go into to those churches and talk about this story with, without showing the images and interviews that you're going to see when, once we come out with this. Um, and I think people would just kind of maybe look at me blankly, They're just not even understand. Not there's still places uh, where people legitimately think like this COVID lockdown is it really is all about it's a health thing. That's what's motivating this. They really do legitimately think Black Lives Matter is somehow concerned with racism. This story blows it all up. This story shows one of the most liberal cities in the country uh, with, with a church, with a, there's not much of a Christian presence here, with this one church, how they stood against all, they're an outpost is what they are. They're in an outpost in a sea of ungodliness and they're standing against um, threats to uh, the ability that they have to wor just worship God, just like, most of us have been enjoying for years. And if you don't think it can't happen, you're gonna find out when we show this story. Yeah, it can. And, um, and if you live in an, in an area that's not Chicago, it's coming to you. The, these ideas that are taking hold here are gonna be taking hold in other places. And so it's a warning, but there's also a lot of hope in the story. So, Andrew, what about you? What do you what, what stood out to you about yeah, all of this? Well, you know, as you're mentioning that, I mean, what you alluded to, David, the, the joy that we saw in everyone who's been through this. And, I mean, they went through scary stuff. I mean, they're, 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 their lives and property are being threatened, their livelihoods, their businesses, uh, for some people, their families, wives and children. You know, they're being doxxed, they're being followed around, um, harassed, uh, you know, mobs gathering, protesting. I mean, they went through some... Things I've not not gone through, uh, really intimidating circumstances, and yet they speak about it with kind of a joy. Uh, and you know, there's it's this uh, this bond that has uh, between all of them in suffering for Christ that's brought them, uh, you, you know, closer together, cr closer to the Lord. I think you sense that, and um, it's it, it's it's inspiring. Um, you, you, you just, uh, you see how obviously in, in surely in, and all of them could, you know, mention how in, in the moment, yeah, you know, they were, they were scared, uh, you, you know, taken, you know, taken, uh, by surprise, uh, you know, just, you know, rolling with it, trusting the Lord, but doing their best. Um, but yeah, they speak with it about it almost with it, with a certain fondness in, in, in how they've seen the Lord protect and bless them through it. Uh, that, that part of it's really they've seen inspiring. people come back to church and yeah. they've seen people their guy got saved I guess when they were they were they were street preaching to this mob trying to kill them well some of them wanted to kill them saying horrible things about them yeah and they preached and the guy even got saved and we, we even got some interviews with people who came back to church because they heard about the story so yeah pretty incredible one of the things that really stood out to me is the simplicity of the whole thing um, it's it's uh, like 
I mean, it's real persecution. It's it's the kind of persecution you um, you read about in <laughs> in uh, not, I guess dystopian books, but also in like you know like Gulag Archipelago and like some of the beginning stuff that happens in a in a culture when. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna go all Jordan Peterson. You say Gulag, Gulag, Gulag Archipelago. Um, when, um, <laughs> sorry, when, uh, uh, when this stuff really starts to happen in a society and, and when Christians are specifically targeted, but the simplicity is just that it's, it's just what you're, what you're, what you're telling me to do. I can't do because of what I believe. Um, I hold to the, to what the Bible teaches and that that's not what the Bible teaches. So no, I can't say it. I, I can't take a knee. I can't raise a fist. I can't can't do any of this stuff because my conscience won't allow me to. And that's, that's all there is to it. But I want you to know that, um, that, you know, Jesus can save you. And that's it. Like, that's the whole thing. I mean, that in a way, that's yeah. this entire story. He just wasn't willing to support the organization BLM. And because of that, um, like, and they, it was funny. One of the things they said, uh, I should probably, I should probably not give away too many details. Um, because uh, we're we're gonna come out with this fantastic documentary, but just one more little thing. They they said that they were they tried at one point. They said, okay, like Black Lives Matter. Okay, we believe that Black Lives do matter, but we don't agree with the movement. They were and and that like they thought that that would sort of like pacify their the protesters and it made them more bold. Now they're saying that now say Black trans lives matter and now and so like and and just the I mean the sheer insanity. They had like someone from Moody Bible or who went to Moody out there, a student there, like, flipping them off. They had, um, I mean, the family had to leave in the middle of the night for fear of their lives because of all the death threats. But one of, one of the guys there who was black, who was street preaching, he had a white guy come by and, and call him a racial slur. Like, talk about, like, upside-down world. Like, it just, like, that, say something a white supremacist would say in the name of opposing white supremacy. It makes no sense and we're, we're living in a, a time when good is evil, evil's good. People think up is down, down is up. And his story just makes that more evident. Um, but again, gives the hope at the end. It really, these guys are resilient, they're brave. And, and that's why we were attracted to this. Because it's not just a dismal, like, oh, things are getting bad. It's like, yeah, there's some bad things, but also, and it's a warning, but there's hope. And the church is still there. You know, the pastor had left and he came back and... He, and they're going strong and they're defying uh, the culture that's around them, but they're doing it in love. They're doing it the way a Christian should do it. So any other any points you guys, uh, things that hit you, points well, you want to bring you know, up? You mentioned that the church is open. We were just there this morning, and uh, I was really rejuvenated by being able to go in to worship the Lord and not have to wear a mask over my face, <laughs> you know, not to have to be suffocating under a... Yeah. a, a piece of cloth that's useless other than you know if i were infected with covid it's probably just recycling it back into my lungs again and again so i i become symptomatic if i'm not yet uh it, it was it was nice to not have to go through that charade and they're they're open they're doing i mean someone might have been wearing a mask there but i mean just it, it was just i saw the, one guy and it was over his chin oh, okay. so yeah like... so i mean the, the whole the narrative that's being perpetuated on us in the world um, you know, exaggerations of things and, and just the, the thing that we're supposed to be thinking about, which is 
COVID-19. It's just not, it's, these people were just, it was just like a throwback to, wow, a church service where there's not even the least bit reminder of that distraction. It was 2019 was, church service, right? It was a 2019 yeah. church service. And there, I'm, I know <laughs> they've taken a lot of heat for that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. they, you know, they, they've, they've been protested and they've been threatened, but wow, they're just, they're open and they, they are, uh, again, just a lot of joy <laughs> exuding from uh, that that church so it was really great to, to be there and, and for me as a you know in my the corporate video work that I do as I mentioned to you guys before I mean I'm usually if there is a moral framework for something these days more and more it has to be social justice and it's just kind of makes you want to gag so it's really nice to see like a real story of what's really going on uh, and and uh, you know I've never been to Chicago before so uh, uh, sort of hearing firsthand what what these folks actually think and what they've gone through, and it's just not what you get in the mainstream media by a truck by a, by a truckload, a trainload, by a mile, by a country mile. I'm trying to find like you're trying to find the southern yeah, um, I'm, I'm um, losing it. So yes, like stop. a southern colloquialism. By a kilometer in the shadow. <laughs> <laughs> so so one of the things um, I just thought of too. When we were at the church and I, I gave my little, like a pastor had me come up and just, and I, and I read a passage of scripture and I said to them though, like one of the things that we're doing with this documentary is we're going to show the hypocrisy of BLM. And now this is a church that is mainly Hispanic. There's, there's black people, there's a few white people, but like, like mainly, um, you know, minorities. Um, yeah. and, and they cheered basically, they were clapping. And then I said, and I, I got a little bold about it. I said, um, and, and we're also going to show the, the hypocrisy of the COVID Nazis and they were loud. They were innovation. Yeah. Yeah. They were just yeah, like, and I was, that. I was surprised at how, well, the reason I think I was surprised is in most of the churches that I would probably be familiar with, I would get kickback for that. Oh yeah. If I, if I had said that in probably most churches, even in the Bible belt and said like, been that bold about these issues, I would have probably been talked to afterward by someone who told me like, well, hey, why are you being too political? Why, why, you know, is that really necessary? Is that too, and, but here's the thing, these guys are living in, they, they see firsthand the effects of these policies because they're, they're the, they're the, they're getting the brunt of it um, in Chicago. They're, they're seeing where this leads and, and they, they see right through it. <laughs> and, they're not like a bunch of, uh, you know, what's the word, a Christian national, white nationalists or anything like <laughs> I think not. No, they're just, they're, they're just but they're regular. But they're Trump voters. They probably are a lot well, of Well, they them. are. Everyone that we talked to pretty much across the board, that I did across the board, they see the, the connection of, I had a conversation towards the end of the day and with a guy and it was like, no, it's not that, um, it's not that we don't support Trump because he's our savior. It's just that we know that. Like once he's out of the way, we know that we're on the right, right, where right. all the attention goes to us. But it had nothing to do with Christian nationalism. Yeah, no, no one, no one. It's obvious that no one in there like. So actually, that's a good transition here. Um, why don't I do this? So we're gonna we're, we'll switch board, switch gears here to um, something. So um, I saw this on Twitter this morning. It's David French uh, thing tweets. but he retweeted a video that I had seen, and it's a it's a guy, kind of you know, middle aged guy. Who ended up? He went into the Capitol, and, um, and and for those who haven't seen my videos, I've done a few now, uh, three that I've addressed this issue because I was actually in D.C. Um, and I was not inside the Capitol or anything, but I've, I've gone through and I've explained what that whole situation was 
uh, from my perspective. And then after like 10 hours of watching videos and trying to figure out kind of what happened, it's, it would be inaccurate. If you know what really happened, I think it'd be very inaccurate to call it even, even a storming isn't the best term, but an insurrection, certainly not a revolution. No, the revolution is what happened inside when they affirmed a, a vote that it, it was fraudulent. Um, but the, 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 the issue, um, the, the, the main thing that really, if you want to cut through everything, the, the main thing that it was, was just a confusing situation, C complete confusion. There were bad people. There were infiltrators. There were aggressive Q and Trump people. There were, um, you know, and then 99% of the people were outside the Capitol having no clue what was going on inside, just thinking that they were rallying in support of voter integrity, etc. election integrity. There's, there's, this, there's this video of a guy who goes in and he, he kind of, he goes in, he's not the front, he's not, you know, fighting police or anything. He says he's being very respectful, but, but he, he felt like, I guess he was invited in or, or whatever, ends up making his way to, I guess it was the, the con Congress and um, the, the House, I think, or no, the Senate, the Senate's I think where he ended up. And, and he just prayed there with a couple other people. They just prayed, asked the Lord's blessing and, and left, didn't do anything. So anyway, that, that's what he did. And, um, and so David French retweets this video and, and I'll read you guys and get, get your reaction. The evidence that January 6th was a Christian insurrection just grows and grows and grows. Combating this perversion of the gospel has to be a top priority. It's not just a heresy. It's an active threat to the peace and security of the nation. Reaction. <laughs> he, and he thinks this guy going there and praying is emblematic of that statement. Is that, is that the point? I mean, I mean, I mean he, the only other thing in the video this guy said was that, you know, he, he said he referenced the, a flag in the Revolutionary War called the Appeal to Heaven, the pine tree flag. And he said, hey, there were some people with that flag. Because this is kind of where we're The exact quote that David French retweeted was, one guy up there said, we should pray. And some of us did. He was on his bullhorn microphone thing and he just consecrated it to Jesus. Dot dot dot. That to me was the ultimate statement of where we were at in this movement. So that's his he just, example of he's saying, insurrection. And he used the dot 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 in between. That is, yeah, it's an appeal to heaven. We just need God because we're just. He's saying we're small. We don't have much of a voice, but we just need God to help us. That's that's all it is. That's literally all it is. <laughs> so David, we French, are all insurrectionists. It's <laughs> so. So, it's being, so it's, sinister. There's so I can understand why David French is just quaking because it's a sinister. This is the guy who like did nothing about CRT or the woke stuff or any of the. Well, the French have a tendency to flee. You know, oh, you know, a French tank has nine reverse gears and one forward That's gear. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> this is not the direction I saw this going. Um, so, what do, you, what do you think about that? All right, all right. I'm an probably should I, think of something more substantive. <laughs> Don't be as. Let yeah. me tell you what Gordon would say. You know. Oh gosh. Um, we, we, we can. Don't 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 do Gordon. Let's. So so the first thing he says, the evidence that January sixth was a Christian insurrection. January sixth was a Christian insurrection. Insurrection. So. Well, we'd have to define what insurrection is. So insurrection is. Is an uprising from within. But it's. Usually violent, right? Well, and usually, usually violent. and usually large in scale. We're talking about a bunch of people who 
Couple, like, a couple seen hundred, the video. a couple hundred who went in the Capitol. And we've seen the videos of like people just walking around and their security guards walking. Everyone's they're staying in the lines. They're picking up trash. There's a few videos of people like chasing security. There's one where they're chasing a security guard. There's a few where they're knocking down barriers. Yeah. And then there's, there's the one, the one and then there's some shot. and some messed up Nancy Pelosi's office and stuff. But yeah. like, and which was all wrong, but. Christian insurrection? I mean, insurrection that implies uh, an overturning of whatever the authority is there and a commandeering of, of you know... Like, like Chaz? Uh, so is Chaz an insurrection? Like, I would, yeah, like, did David Chaz French talk about Chaz being in it? Like, uh, like it, seems, it seems like David French and those who would toe the David French line, your Russell Moore, your, I guess, Big Eva in general, your, your TGC, hmm. it seems like they're the real nationalists. Because we went through, and, and, and this is this is continuously called whataboutism, which I don't even know. I don't I don't know when that became yeah. a thing. But, what, what about but whataboutism? Over the last, because it's like, where were you? That's what the reaction would be from the right. Where were you over the last eight, nine months when cities were burning down, when this whole story that we came here to, where a guy just lost his business. It seems like the appearance, especially from Mr. French, is that none of that stuff really mattered enough to address it. But when you attack the national capital, well, now that's an issue. So it seems like the nationalist is actually David French because he only seems to care about the national <laughs> That's a good thing. point. Like, like, that's the only place right? that matters. Anyone yeah. else doesn't. Well, you though. think about it. They, the Black Lives Matter and Antifa guys were taking down monuments and landmarks and stuff like all over this country, desecrating things. Um, ripping Private down signs. Businesses and, I mean, you talk about a revolution. They were renaming, pushing for political, you know, right. uh, town boards and stuff to rename streets and re like. And they literally were saying they're revolutionaries. A lot of them, they're like, yeah, we're we're doing a revolution here. But so and that didn't matter until it was the national capital. Now all of a sudden, that's a good point. I never thought of that because it's the only only the national only the federal. Building. That's the only the, uh, the sacred. The temple. No, 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 no. Nancy Pelosi. Temple of, temple of Democracy is what Nancy Pelosi says. And I'm like, where were you on? So like ripping down Lincoln statues and Robert E. Lee statues and Columbus statues. Not important, but the Temple of Democracy. Well, like, and then just American citizens. And, right? and how many state capitals were entered? Weren't there like four state capitals that were occupied? You had the Chaz thing, where they were they were in federal or uh, they they actually yeah they went in federal buildings I think too, but. State and local, you know, buildings yeah, and the federal assault in Portland that went on for like a hundred something days. Yeah, I've lost track. You had what? Did you have one in Michigan? I think they where they went in and. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm just I'm dizzy from 2020. Yeah, so. it's we all not. Are. So it's not. The point is, is it's not what aboutism to say. It's not, it's not what about this. It's you've already proven that you don't, you that you have no concern for this. This is this means nothing to you. It's just you. You're a nationalist. You're such a nationalist that you only care about this national building. And David French is a nationalist. Now, you're not calling him a Christian, just a nationalist. I don't know where he's at faith-wise. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm just... I just he's, that seems, that's, he's that seems right. like nationalist. David French, I mean, you're, if you're watching... Argument on that. David French, if you're David watching... David French is a nationalist. We're, Russell Moore is a nationalist. They're nationalists. That, so I'm not a nationalist. I'm a localist. Because I got a problem with when private businesses and... Pri and Monuments that you put up in your local town. I got a problem when that stuff happens. The Capitol, no, it's not cool, but it's that's a federal building. I mean, that's not... 
You're a nationalist. You only care about the federal. I mean, yeah, like where were you when it wasn't a fe- the the federal uh, or the national? You know, the entire the entire thing is like you have this violent movement that like burns down people's businesses, destroys all this stuff, ruins people's well, rise, lives privately, and that's like we, we're not going to say anything about that. But then like when a bunch of people have one issue and they go to the one building where that issue, right. <laughs> like, well, actually, so 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 the the logic would lend itself to this because this happened last summer. You could have Washington D.C. on fire everywhere around the Capitol. Banks but as long as <laughs> doesn't hurt the ca- Capitol. Yeah. But like it's the okay. bank bank alarms going off, uh, you know, grocery stores and convenience stores and electronic stores robbed. People taking out big screen TVs. Fires everywhere. Shot bombs in the going head. up. People, yeah, people getting killed. Like as long as it's around the Capitol. That's okay. That's that's like that's we we got to understand that and nuance that. But as soon as you go into the like bullhorn man. Viking man goes into the capital for a few, like, for, for like 45 minutes. All bets are off. Like, that's what a nationalist would say. That's a nationalist. Yeah. I, I care about my local town, my local... I have I do have a concern, I guess, for the for the federal government, but my local town... I mean, if my local town was burning down, burst the capital. I mean, I care about my local... My village. Uh, I mean, only nationalists I, would just care about the federal bill. Okay, we've, we've beat that dead horse. Um, all right, so here's the next sentence. Com- combating this perversion of the gospel has to be a top priority. It's not just heresy, it's an active threat to the peace and security of the nation. David French's nationalism is the real <laughs> the nation. threat. Yeah. I think. David, what's a nation? <laughs> um, he cares about the nation quite a bit. I, I'm sure he does. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, and it's, it's a perversion born. of the gospel to, like, I guess, go. To, to think that it's okay to go in, so this guy's ignorant or whatever, but to go in and then pray in the Senate chamber and ask for God's blessing, make, that's a perversion of the gospel. Well, because yeah, in, in the Good and Plenty Clause, you know, it mentions about the uh, the separation of gospel and capital. I don't know if you, you, you know that. Um, that's, that's, that's essential, uh, and that's also it's the a gospel two kingdoms, issue. Yeah. And, you know, there's yeah. two kingdoms, Tale of Two Cities. Why yeah. Not? Okay, well, that was David French. Uh, another thing here I'll read to you. This is this, Someone sent me this this morning. I'll just read you the, the headline to get your reaction first. This is from Nine Marks. Forum. How to shepherd your people in light of the Capitol riot. No, more nationalism. Did they do, like, how to shepherd... I mean, they, they kind of, like, sided with BLM-ish, right? Well, they, Mark Dever said that... Uh, he said BLM seems like a very pro-life statement. Pro-life. Well, they also both, like in 2015, him and Jonathan Lehman, I think, said it was like a gospel issue, too. But recently, I know like Jonathan Lehman, at least, he was, marched. he's marched with yeah. that like semi-BLM, whatever it was, with Phoebe Diana Buile and David Platt, I think. It's brave. It's brave. It's brave. It brave. brave. Now, I'll give them a little bit of a pass on the nationalism, because... They're in the capital. They do live. It's Capitol Hill. Yeah, Bible. they live in the, the Washington D.C. But it's still nationalism. I mean, I don't think you could forgive it. Okay. So, so they have. So, so they feel like there's a big need to shepherd people in light of the Capitol riot. Okay. Before we even read any of this, how would you shepherd people in light of the Capitol riot? How would I? Well, <laughs> I, I would probably look to how I shepherded people 
through all of the riots and violence and mayhem and church shutdowns that went on for the last nine months, I'd look at that. They'd already be prepared. And, and I'd think, okay, so an event that affects a fraction of that amount of people and did a fraction, as, as much as, you know, those who actually went and destroyed things, you know, that's that's not yeah. anything we can condone and, and that's, uh, that's uh, you know, insufferable, but at the same time, I don't know, like, what is that, like, seriously, in comparison to all the BLM riots, you know, storming of the cities of this year, what is that, like, what fraction of 1% is, uh, is the capital situation? I, w I would look at how I addressed the, uh, the much more enormous BLM so, so you wouldn't feel the need to have a forum for like, I, oh, this I is probably, a separate thing, like this whole capital thing. I probably thing. wouldn't. I probably wouldn't. But You'd be like, my people are prepared for this already. I, I would certainly hope so. Okay. I would print out the article, and I would use it as a, I would, first I would go to Minneapolis. I would go downtown, and I would find Christians, and I would say, and I'm standing next to a building that's completely, you know, burned to the ground, I'd say, let me talk to you about the Capitol riots. And I would say, I'll be honest. Do you need some shepherding? We're in Chicago right now, and we've been driving around, and we're seeing kind of the way people live and stuff. Like, like shepherding people right now in light of the Capitol riot. Like, I don't it know. It is not on their radar. It is not the it's not, the, on their not number one priority. It's um, they like the the issues that actual real people now now for them maybe living so close to the Capitol. That's a Sure, I can see that maybe. locally being right, a deal, but the city but... was burning down like long before the capital. No, but you don't. That's not. That's not a gospel. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard when you're a nationalist like they are. To... <laughs> so, um, I don't even. So here, here's the points they make. They make three points, and then I don't even know. Should I just read this? It's not like horribly long. So the Let's first the point. Points. All right. Um, pastoral reminders. That's what these are. Right. Uh, God is still in control. The simple statement is undoubtedly the Christian's go-to statement during times of turbulence. It may feel like an overuse remedy. Um, I'm just kind of just saying that heavenly Jerusalem is not affected by the earth. Uh, we should see America's state and mourn, yet with hope and anticipation of the more perfect dwelling which awaits us. So think about heaven in light of the capital right. But no one's being threatened right now in light of the Capitol riots. I mean, it's not yeah, like it's, it's done. Unless, that, that, that's yeah. over. We have like 25,000 troops right. about in D.C. right now. So, I mean, it's true. God's still in control, but it just, I don't know. It just seems, know. It seems I mean, you're only on the first point, so I probably shouldn't say this yet, but I will. Um, it just okay. seems really lazy. It seems like another one of those, like, TGC formula machines where you put in, like, a title and then a couple of like adjectives, and then like two nouns, and then and it spits out an article. God is and, like, yeah. The, you could have written this after 9/11. You could have like there's literally anything that bad. It's not know, specific to when the your capital. cat dies. Shepherding your flock through your cat's death, like it's the same <laughs> thing. Like there's, you know, you, it's like God's still in control. That yes, he is, but like what do you, what is specifically in this situation? Right. But they feel a need to specifically respond to this incident. All right, so rebelling against the government is not a sin limited to one political party. Number two, when a friend asked oh. me if I'd heard that protester had stormed the Capitol, I immediately assumed it was people on the left. He went on to tell me it was, wow. it was Trump, <laughs> it was Trump supporters. What this reminded me of, and something that I will remind my people of, is that sinfulness exists along the entire political spectrum. <laughs> Who wrote this? I, 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 I don't Who's the author? Is it Mark Dever? 
I don't know. It's like a it's comment. by a bunch of people because I just want to know. It's just it's like first person. It's like somebody told like were you not watching any news? Like you didn't know. It's like someone told me, hey, like you live in Washington D.C. I'm assuming, and somebody came to me and I, said, I, did you know that there was a riot at the Capitol? I, I don't know. It, said, it might be this. Was it the left? No, it was Trump supporters. <laughs> like how you were paying attention to anything the entire day? Well, I, uh, I mean, it, it's possible. I, I. I mean, it's possible for someone the first time they've heard. They, you got a they lot of patience for these nationalists. Okay, but I don't. all right, I think it might be this guy, Mr. Ross, who I think is from South Carolina, actually, Mr. who participated Ross. in the forum. Oh, Maybe okay. I'm not sure. All right, I'm sorry. So it might not be someone. Okay, it might I, not be someone. I uh, slightly retract. Slightly. Slightly. So, but anyway, okay. So this is a true statement, though. I mean, take it seriously. This is a true statement. Violence. Everyone's capable of violence, right? Right. I mean, I think we all as humans uh, technically know that is that. the truth. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And it, this is an oversimplification, though. I was in D.C. I saw. I was near the Capitol when this was going on, and it would. Um, and now, and now I've watched like tons of video. I've tried to get to the bottom of what actually happened, and it, like I said, it was chaos. There were Trump supporters in there. Um, there were also uh, Antifa and radical elements, and we don't even know who all. We're still figuring some of this out. Uh, who used crowd control techniques. I mean, this wasn't even inspired by Trump. So the, the heart, the, I'll put it this way, the most committed Trump supporters weren't even at the Capitol because they would have listened to the president's speech. It took about 45 minutes at least to get to the Capitol from the speech. And the riot, if you want to call it that, I don't call it that, but what people are calling it, that started uh, before Trump was even finished speaking. So the people who stormed or went in had um, in the areas in which there was a struggle to get in, they were they, they missed all of Trump's speech. They, they would have had to. Well, when you're so, a real big Trump fan, I mean, one of the first things you do is you leave within the first five minutes of his speech and then just go start writing. Storm the Capitol. That's, that's all, the, all the, real, the hardcore Trump folks I know are there's really... A, there's a high precedent for it. Yeah, they, they, just, yeah. they just leave before you even start speaking and just start breaking stuff else. So, I mean, it, it's, so. it's true that this can happen on the right, but it's not... I, I think accuracy is important here to just say, like, look, this isn't... It wasn't just... Tr- if you put a headline, Trump supporters storm capital, is that true? There's a sense in which, yeah, there were Trump supporters who went in there, but it's not the complete truth, and it would be... It would actually be leaving something very critical out, it's not, it wasn't just Trump supporters. And the 99% of people outside, the almost like 1 million people outside who had no clue about any of this, who were there to support election integrity, should not be broad brushed with them, which is what's happened. Isn't um, that slander? Like, you know, TGC, Nine Marks, types, I feel like they're really into like refraining from slander. So it seems like it would be kind of slanderous to paint all of the people at the rally who were peaceful as, you know, insurrectionists. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't think, he just saying it, it was true. He went on to tell me it was Trump supporters right. who stormed the Capitol. And then goes on to say, you know, sinfulness, people on the right can be sinful. And, and we must actively orientate our, our, ourselves away from the godless expressions of power, fear, and false hope. And, and it's, I don't know, that, I mean, that language there is just godless expressions of power. Like, not everyone who went in there was... It's the broad brushing, I guess, is what yeah. I'm I'm having trouble with. Is like they weren't they weren't a lot of people thought they were let in because there's video of them being let in. A lot of people came. Most people didn't know that there was any struggle if there was. So they're walking in, and the police are even welcoming them, taking selfies with them. Um, 
it, you know, they, they shouldn't be broad brushed with this. Well, the broad brushing is, is frustrating because Jonathan Lehman marched in a BML march. BLM. A BLM march. Um, but, he, you know, he didn't burn anything down, and nobody would, nobody would say, like, yeah, Jonathan Lehman, he's one of those guys that burns things down. No, like, we know that what, what he did, he marched. Now, the organization that he marched in support of, they right. do burn things and when down. And when I took issue with There the, is a separation, and we've all acknowledged it. When I took issue with the narrative of BLM, it's like I wouldn't support the lies that they're propagating. And in and, and looking, you know, being part of that movement or even making it look that way, I mean, you've got to make some really clear separations. If you're, I mean, well, I don't want to go into all the details of re, you know, give my whole response to that. But, but at no time did we or anyone else on, on the conservative side say, like, oh, Lehman's responsible for burning down Washington, D.C. No. We, no one thought that, that I know of. Um, but, but there seems to be that sort of, they're okay with blaming Trump supporters for this. Right. And, and he mentions godless expressions of power. Now, I, maybe I'm just Sounds a little... Sounds Foucault. It, it does sound very Foucaultian, does it not? But, uh, you know, wouldn't, if, if we're thinking in those, those terms, wouldn't a godless expression of power be, I don't know, like having an election and then throw, having people vote and then throwing in like millions of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has there been any comment from I, him I, on maybe, that? Maybe like, like three in the morning after this you know, quote-unquote yeah. storming, there was a godless expression of power right? in, <laughs> in the same building, but it was by men. I mean, that was the actual insurrection, yeah. revolution, whatever you yeah. want to call it. Does, does, did 30,000 like soldiers in the Capitol, does that corrupt the no. temple of democracy? You, gotta, you, gotta no? you don't need to shepherd your people through that. Oh, you don't, okay. you yeah. don't need to shepherd your people through rigged elections or... Um, you know the, the all the arm twisting that went into what happened at no. 3 a.m. It's just yeah. funny though because you it just, but you to do like... have to shepherd your people through Viking man. But um, that's a, that's a nationalist sure. move. I mean, think of like the 1930s. Like the first thing that you do is like we only care about this federal building. The second thing is like let's put let's like show our strength. You know, that's a very like Hitlerian like nationalist kind of move it to is. do. I'm just like you guys are nationalists. That's what I'm seeing. Is, is all right, all right. Third point. Third point. America is no utopia. Ouch. Ouch. What a yeah. 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 Ouch. Yeah. Never figured that one out. We never. No one. Is there someone who thought that that America was a utopia? I've not heard this as a mainstream argument. To but... shepherd your people to like, like, oh, all these people are believing America's utopia, guys. Like, <sighs> if it didn't occur to you after the COVID lockdowns and all the burning cities. It, it should become clear to you now that it's not a utopia because of Viking Man and, and everyone who came. I've honestly spent the last 12 months thinking that it was a utopia. <laughs> I think after 2020, no one thinks America's a utopia. So I'll read it. From my observations, it seems that the motivation behind a lot of the rioting and protests has been rooted in a desire for America's political structure to provide the best life now. I, I, I was, listen, As opposed uh, to... Mr., Mr. Ross, if you wrote this, I was there. I don't think one person, and I'll be honest, but I don't think one person in that audience, about a million people, thought that America's political structure was to provide your best life now. People are upset about election integrity. There was people there, like myself, who weren't even huge Trump fans, who were there. And I know, I know people in the audience, five different areas in the audience. I've talked to people. I've talked to even former um, intelligence people about what happened. And I have some interesting thoughts on that, but not for this show. But... No one that I know of, and, and we, I never once got the impression anyone thought that. That's just, it, I'm sorry, that's just wrong. It's flat out wrong. 
to care about election integrity isn't like wanting something that's so abnormal and Pollyanna like it's just nor it's how our country's supposed to function and if we don't have it none of our other rights are really that secure so he goes on we too easily put our hopes in the nation instead of in Christ and his people false dichotomy like that's like saying oh we don't put our hope in the in our family like our mom and dad and our wives and kids we need to put it in the church like what you you have both you should have like there, there's a place for both of those things i'm um i can be a citizen a patriot i can be a, a husband i can be a father i can be a churchman i can i can be a business owner and i'm gonna and i can do all those things and it doesn't mean like oh i'm putting hope in my business because i work hard i'm putting hope in america because i vote and i you know i mean it almost implies you get like what so we don't participate at all in whatever spheres that the lord's placed us in like it's, just, it's slander. You know, it would be it would be idolatry to engage and to care like to try and better it in any way or to try and you know apply biblical principles and how we engage in that i mean i don't know it just yeah it seems slanderous to me like it's a false dichotomy like there's like, like there's an underlying there's i mean this has been going on for a while within like the big evil world but there's like this underlying sort of like you know what you want to hold on to your American dream kind of life, but you know what? Christian uh, uh, perse persecution for Christians—that's normal. That's and like to that, I just wonder where were all you guys? We're the ones here Film telling the this story about Nini's Deli. Where are you guys? You don't care. You, there's been no interest in that. The stories of actual Christian persecution going on. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's actually a really good point. Like. These ministries, like my, Nine Marks would be included in this, and this isn't maybe what they're tailor-made for, but like there's all these ministries that have tons of money and resources, and all we need is like 10000 bucks to tell this story of real Christian persecution. And I asked them, I said, did you get support from other churches to the, to the Riescos? Nope. Did other Christians in the area? Nope. Christians came out to protest them. Um, how about, like, had anyone else reached out to you? Like one guy on a podcast. No one has reached out to them to even tell their story. And it's, it's just incredible because it, it did make secular news. And like, and we're here. You know, what does that say about you guys? Like, the, you, your priorities are so out of whack. Not even a retweet. Nothing. Yeah, well, like, what, what does... What, the, the real threats to the church right now, you turn, like, a blind eye to or you nuance or you, 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 you downplay. And then something that's really not that big of a threat... That's pretty clear. You join the mainstream media narrative on, and it just it, and you it, shepherd your flock through the. It seems like a mixed up set of priorities there. Totally, some no them. sense of proportion. The church is. Let's see. Uh, okay, I intend to remind my people that as Christians, our best lives come from the redemption we have in Christ, and therefore we have the ability to live amidst whatever political leadership the Lord's sovereignty appoints, striving with joy to honor the Lord. It, it almost makes it. Yeah. Great. Well, that's good stuff. Now do BLM. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, we we do want to have the we have the ability to live and miss whatever political leadership the Lord appoints, but the, at the same time, like you realize, there's really big consequences for the kind of leadership. And in our, we're supposed to, in theory, have a republic. The the leaders that we have um, have chosen or have been chosen for us, I guess, uh, are going to have great effects on the church, and that's what. People need to they have a lot of ideas. What are some of the questions people have right now? Like, should I submit to 
someone who is is in um, is you as a usurper didn't actually win? Do I have to submit to that person? How about like the COVID shot? Like, do I have to take that if my job or the government tells me I should? Um, you know, uh, what are some of the other questions that are out there right now that literally legitimately need shepherding answers? What can you think of? Oh, like say if the state tells me, oh, I gotta close my business for like another two, three months, weeks, years, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, do, is it is that a is that a? Could you shepherd me through like me being forced out of a livelihood, forced out of working, providing for my family? Uh, Hyde yeah. Amendment. The Hyde Amendment. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to fund abortion. Do I pay taxes? Or how about day one of Biden's presidency? He's already vowed that he's going to have an executive order basically mandating transgender people should be allowed in whatever bathroom they want and public schools. So you're a public school teacher and you're a Christian. How do you navigate that? Maybe we could use some shepherding from people like Nine Marks. But instead we're talking about we're talking about Viking man in the Capitol. Well, fortunately, I heard that he's being fed uh, his vegan shaman diet in uh, yes. where he's being held. So I'm yeah. glad that they're able to accommodate that. He's not so, even, he's an environmentalist wacko. He's, he's, um, yeah, anyway. He's not, not, not your typical MAGA kind of guy. He's into shamanism, <laughs> uh, what, food that's organic and protesting climate change. But... Anyway, this, this is just a sample. I'm not even going to read the rest of it. This is just a sample of what Nine Marks is putting out there. It's, it's just, it's weird. It's like um, some, skipping over all like the relevant things that people actually have questions about, only to join in the media parade to condemn something that, like if you're going to use equal weights and measures, you should have been a hundred times more motivated to condemn uh, when it was happening in a greater proportion during the summer. And, and so it's just, it's a, it's a weird... I think I know why this Yeah, why, why, why are they okay, writing it? And this is the segue. The reason why uh, Nine Marks, TGC, French, all these... Is because they consume mainstream news. That's where they get all their information. So, of course they think this is the big issue. That's the mainstream news that they're watching. This is all that they get. That, so this is the news. This is what they're getting. This is the, this is the most... And, yeah, yeah that's, that's what they're consuming. That's what they... So you're saying they buy that narrative? Yeah, they buy the narrative because that's what they consume. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that I think that's the reason. Yeah. For right. most of the people who I know who are believers but um, would go in that direction, yeah, that's I would say that's the same diagnosis. So along along that line, uh, let's talk about something that I've talked about before, and I, I probably will talk about again. I just jotted down some notes on the plane for like ten minutes. Um, and, and I, I, I sense that it's important to do this now um, because there's, there's a, I mean, you've heard the term fake news, right? Yes. There's a lot of, um, there's, I think because the mainstream media has been so untrustworthy and they've lied so many times and they've spun narratives, they've lost so much credibility that now there's almost, there, there's, there, there's like a, a, it's a fractured panoply of, blogs and um i mean there, there's organizations starting up conservative news networks because people don't even trust fox now and the dust hasn't settled yet and so people are getting information from all kinds of places add to that the fact that censorship has been through the roof like we've never seen it in the history of the world but like and that's true guys like like 
yeah, you can go to certain countries, communist countries, and see censorship issues that are even worse. But I'm saying, like, on this this kind of a scale, this quickly, with this, uh, I mean, we've never deleted this much information ever because we didn't have this much information because of the internet. And all of a sudden, all these people deplatformed, news organizations gone, websites gone, and people are scrambling, uh, some people on the right, conservatives who don't trust the mainstream media, and they're scrambling to find where can I get accurate information. So, a few principles. We'll, we'll go to principles and we'll go to sources. Um, what kinds of principles do you use when you're trying to figure out whether a source is accurate or whether you should listen to a source? Are they wearing a mask while they're talking to me? Because if so, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, exaggerating. Make sure they wear a mask, yeah. Make sure but you can't find out when they're, you know, it's a, it's a written format. You don't know if they wrote it wrong right. or not. You just That's don't true, know. that might have they happened. Could have, yeah. Uh, okay, no, but all I tell. I in all tell. seriousness, um, all right, I'll give the first one. Some, some, someone, something I thought of. Someone who can, someone, this is someone, who consistently spills secrets does not make a trustworthy source because people generally won't entrust secrets to someone who's a leaker like that. Mm, now, there, there might be some exceptions to this, so I've been, I was pondering this. There's some organizations that they thrive on leaking in for WikiLeaks, right? Like, um, people come to them as a format to Veritas. leak. Project Veritas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's some sources like that. But what I'm saying, I'm not talking about an organization like that. I'm, I'm talking about someone who shares information of a private nature that no one else has, that they're saying they're getting it from these it, it, the dangerous information, right? Information that would get someone in trouble, that someone wouldn't want shared, but they're sharing it. And they're doing it consistently all the time. That's their whole shtick. I've seen, or I've, I've, people have sent me videos by guys who like I look at and they're like saying, um, uh, things like, you know, Trump, they, they, they know exactly what Trump's going to do in the next couple days. And he's going to come out on top. And it's, it's like so specific. And yet there's people, um, e even people I know that have administration connections who like, they're like, no, like, so, but, but people, some of these sources will say it. I'm thinking of one guy in particular, I can't remember his name on YouTube. He's like saying it nonchalantly. He's, but he's so certain. And I'm thinking, you know, and I look through like some of his videos, I'm like, who is this guy? And I'm like, oh, he's consistently sharing these secrets, supposedly, that, you know, giving you the real inside scoop of what's mm. going on in D.C. But like, if that guy's really connected to, to Trump or to someone close to Trump, then like, why, they're not picking a dude on YouTube with this dangerous information to probably put out there. Probably Who's not. sharing it like that. So, so they, he's not a trustworthy source in my opinion. I, I don't take him seriously, in my opinion, just because I, I don't think someone, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't personally, just human nature, I wouldn't go and trust secrets that could get me in trouble to someone who's a leaker. Does that make sense? Can you I, articulate I it better? It yeah. Um, if somebody says that they have an inside scoop, but all they have are inside scoops, they probably don't have many scoops. Yeah. Like they're just trying to benefit off of the illusion that they have scoops. So there's nothing you can confirm in any part of their narrative. It's just all like this. Yeah. But like my, I mean that, that would coincide with one of my rules, which is, I mean, some sources are <laughs> like, where did you get this information? And, and, uh, um, if, if there's nothing, if there's just no way to verify anything, it's not really a sort, you know, that's not really a, okay. Let me, really let me, let me, let me try to compare 
I don't know if these are the best comparisons, but two things. So, so there, there's this guy I just talked about. But then there was like uh, a few days ago, Mike Lindell met with President Trump, and he has he has a hundred pages of like he said he I guess he spent like millions of dollars hiring lawyers and just being I think he's even teamed up with Sidney Powell. I'm not sure to what extent, but. Uh, he has information on this Leonardo scandal, which I've looked into that, and that is legitimate. There's Italian newspapers reporting on this, that the election, uh, that there were there was vote switches going on from the embassy in Italy. So so I've, I've already looked into that. I've, I've, there's there's if, if you want to do the digging, you can find it. It's getting harder because of all the uh, censorship. But Mike Lindell is saying, I got 100 pages here, and he says, I know, based on this information of just these vote switches, uh, how many votes Trump got, how many votes Biden got. Now, do I take a source like that seriously? I kind of do, and the reason is, and I'm not saying, I, I, I would love to just to look at that those sources first. I'm not going to trot it out there as, you know, I know for sure that this is all kosher. But what I would say is that Mike Lindell has a lot to lose by saying something like that. He's taking a great personal risk to himself to do that. Um to his business, to getting canceled, etc. Because right now everyone's getting canceled who's doing that, and he is risking it all to try to get that information to the president, to try to get that information to us. And yes, I can find some things that seem to verify aspects of his story. And I'm looking forward to more information coming out, if he yeah. can ever bring it out. If they, you know, so so I, I tend to take that seriously and say, okay, that's that's a lead I'll follow. Because human nature would would dictate that that's unless that was true, you wouldn't say that. Right, because he has a lot to lose. But someone who's in a, on a YouTube channel who has nothing to lose, but is just leaking this information nonchalantly, I'm not going to trust that guy. Yeah. Does that make? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, that, with the whole voter fraud issue, the 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 affidavits, the number of affidavits, and like reading some of them, that's a you know, it's illegal. If you if you're lying about this, there's legal repercussions. So what what is your skin in the game? So if you're sharing information, what skin? What skin do you have in the game that would give you some credibility? Um, my, my, I feel like my main criteria for m media, how, how to know what's true, what information to follow, in light of 2020 is, um, my guiding principle is, uh, does this media source ask you to deny what you have seen with your own eyes and know yes. to be objectively true? And 2020 has been most... You know, most I pre pre twenty twenty, I rely. I would read Fox News for headlines. Um, I used to go to Daily Wire to read sort of commentary, and then I would go to BBC uh, World News because the United News in the United States is very self contained. It tends, unfortunately, like you know, like David French, it tends to be very nationalistic, and. Um, <laughs> So, David uh, French, you are a nationalist. A nationalist. Yeah. So, uh, and it, the, 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 the idea that kind of is uh, perpetuated is that, like, the only news that really happens is in the United States. And, like, if you go to, like, I remember um, the, the one that always sticks in my mind is the, this is when I first started to realize this, um, the Las Vegas, remember the Las Vegas shooting in, in uh, 2017, yeah. I believe I it hardly was. remember it. Because right, because there's been so much. But we were what you so probably, young. That yeah. was October first, twenty seventeen. Um, a few, I think it was a few days later, there was a terrorist attack in Somalia. It was one of the largest in history. Uh, it led to the deaths of over eight hundred people. 
Oh, yeah. There were truck bombs that went off right, in Mogadishu, yeah. and uh, it was 500 people dead instantaneously, right? I, I saw some of the pictures of some of the most horrifying things I've ever seen in my life, and then oh, over 300 people died later from their wounds. Now, probably you never even heard of it. You probably didn't even know that happened because, like, you're saying proportionality. So it's like, what is actually true? So, um... That's a lot of... that. I will say that's a lot of black lives too. Black lives matter. A lot of black lives, yeah. And yeah. this and that was kind of the that was when black lives was matter was starting to get going. Yeah. I remember thinking like that is like five hundred black lives gone, and you never you, there was no no interest, no concern, and reporters didn't even go over it because right it's can you blame it on can, colonialism? Right. I don't think you can. So <laughs> on why, Somalia. You know. So so one of yeah. in two thousand twenty the it's so sad. It's it's the you know the CNN reporter standing with the building burning behind saying it's you know fiery but peaceful. Um, with the whole Antifa stuff, you know, I, I remember a lot of people were talking throughout throughout twenty twenty saying, um, yeah, you know, you think you think things are gonna get violent. And I was like, you know, Antifa, they're just there's some thugs, but they're like you know like they're not one side has all the guns until i saw antifa in the woods practicing with guns i actually ran into some antifa members uh, like a, with a learning how to shoot clinic this is uh, a few months ago and so like what i have seen now objectively with my eyes does not comport does not comport with reality i have been to several places throughout the the country i haven't seen people dying of the, on the street of covid i have there i know people who work in hospitals in several different places the hospitals aren't packed full of people dying of COVID, um, at least not as widespread as the media reports. So if it doesn't objectively line up with what I know is true, based on my own senses, what I actually see, then that, that would be a pretty big criteria. Right. No, that's, that's a good point. I have a few examples in my mind of that same thing where I was at an event. This has happened like four times in my life or five times where... I, and I saw the reports later, and I'm like, wow, they really distorted what I just saw, so I'm, I'm not going to trust them. Um, one of the other things, criteria, that I, I like to apply is, um, are multiple s separate sources confirming this? And, 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 and that doesn't mean it's true, because you can go to CNN, and you're going to find out, like, every mainstream right. media, they have the same narrative. But, but if it's only one source, and, and it doesn't, well, again, it doesn't mean it's not true, but... It just if you have sources that you already trust and, and you have more than one and this is a principle you see in scripture even two or three witnesses right if I can see a couple people are confirming it that strengthens my confidence in a story um, so um, I, I view this is my just my personal thing is I, I view mainstream media as one source actually I don't look at mainstream media as multiple sources really just because I know m much of mainstream media I'm not saying all of it but just because I know that they, they are feeding the same narrative, they have the same agenda. But if I see, let's say, um, you know, the, the, so, someone, you know, that I don't really know, Patrick Byrne, you know, says something about the election. And then I'm like, okay, I don't know who, Patrick Byrne, you know, got a lot to lose, former CEO, I'm going to listen, but let, let's, let me wait to see. And then I see that, oh, look, um, the Epoch Times is also talking about the same thing. Okay, okay, so some reporters from the Epoch Times, which I tend to trust a little more, they they checked it out. Like there must be something to this. So that's another another thing. You know, two or three witness thing. That's a uh, I think a way to, to help boost your confidence in a story. Um, what are so you you name some of the sources? What about for you, Andrew? What are some of the sources you like to look to for news, and, and why do you like them? Or I don't then, use those sources anymore. Really. Oh well, you well why don't you go first and tell us what sources you use now, if you have any. <laughs> Well, it's, uh, 
I mean, for headlines, I'm looking at OAN. OAN, which One is American the, News. One American News, yeah. yeah I, 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 I really relied on Twitter. It was pe- specific people I followed. That don't I, rely on Twitter. But now I, I don't because a lot of those voices are gone. They've been shut down. and I, Not Twitter and like just people, individuals, but like news organizations because there was a multiplicity of people that you can follow at the same time. And, and there's and a now, pattern. You can, oh, this person was right about this, yeah, right about this, right? Okay, build, build. But it's, I, I don't really, I can't use it anymore because, yeah. yeah. So I'll go to, for a headline, I'll go to One America News. Other than that, I'll, you know, listen to see what people are saying. <laughs> I don't, Conversations that matter. Conversations, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm the source now. CTM. See, I mean, but seriously though, like that is, it's like, if you can, check for yourself. You know, like I you were at the Capitol, so you kind of. Oh yeah, I, I I am a source for the Capitol yeah. thing, at least part parts of it, just because I, I gave my little slice of the pie, and it did not comport with the mainstream media narrative, and it doesn't just I don't justify the bad things that happen. There's some bad things that happen, but it's like the it's way out of proportion the way that um, it's being reported. So, but uh, Andrew, what about you? What what sources uh, do you do you have any? Well, first off, when you said check for yourself, that kind of flashed me back to LeVar Burton. At the I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Rainbow saying, yeah. you don't have to take my word for it. I think you used to do that. That was good. I, I accidentally got your name wrong. Raul. Oh, please. whoops. Yeah. Whoops. Sorry. Fake news. Why did I respond to that name that wasn't my name? Yeah, no. Fake news. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows me as, as good old Raul. What does Raul read? Um, well, Raul or, used to read a lot of Drudge. I remember back in the day, I would, I would, I would seriously, I would use the, I would use, I remember for years using the Drudge method of seeing, okay, what's, what's, what's he uh, spitting out over here? And man, I haven't gone to Drudge in like five or six years now. So, so. Are, are you all homeless? You just don't I, have. I, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of homeless. I mean, I, I like there's some, some sources, some pundits, I, I who I've liked for you know some years. I mean, I like some of the Blaze guys. I, I like. Uh, uh, Mark Levin and some of the uh, folks that he had on his please. Uh, so yeah. like um, I Elijah Schaefer, I follow him because he's he's at all the riots. He's he's been at you know he was at the Capitol. Um, the stuff that he says has consistently lined up with you know what what a multiplicity of sources will say later. So you know he's a source. He's actually there. He's actually seeing what's going on. Um, if the media is spinning it, then he'll spin it back the other direction. I mean, not spin it, but <laughs> he'll tell tell you the truth. So, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm really becoming more of a fan of individual people who are at places yeah. physically, not not big giant corporation organizations that I have an agenda. Yeah. Um, okay, so I I like um, and and this is brand new for me, kind of, but I think the Epoch Times has some pretty good stuff. Their YouTube channel is even really good. Um, their commercials are really good, but they're almost like too good. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've, I've seen some of the. There's their probably ads. Like, people watching this probably already saw an advertisement for the Epoch Times before they even started this video. <laughs> um, and uh, so Epoch Times is one. I actually bought a subscription for two family members um, to like papers, and so I, I get the digital updates every day. And sometimes I'll look at those headlines. Um, I tend to now. I don't know. So okay. I don't read articles at Breitbart, but I will. This is more of a recent thing. I, I started going to Breitbart just to see their headlines, what they're promoting, because I know they have this sort of they're they're like a pro-Trump kind of. So during the whole election thing, I wanted to when everyone, including Fox News, seemed to be against 
uh, Trump and like suppressing the election integrity story, I was like, okay, I wonder what Breitbart's saying about this, because I would expect them to to not go with that narrative. But they they haven't been like a consistent news source for me. Um, I I don't I used to do Daily Wire more. I don't really do Daily Wire anymore uh, much. And it, I mean I I. Uh, I think I still have a subscription to them, and it, and it's nice to be able to. If someone sends me a link, I can go look it up. Um, there's a few guys that I, I kind of like there, but um, I just I yeah I don't know. It's too I don't know I don't know what it is about it. I, I just I haven't gone there much. Um, the Blaze a little bit, um, but I haven't honestly. Blaze stories to me lately have been wanting a little bit too. They're kind of uh, so, some of I don't know what it is about them. They're maybe you can articulate it. Um, they don't give me the meat that I'm looking for. It's like it's like there's some there's a little bit of like headline. It's like a headline with like a pair like two paragraphs and ads. And I'm like I just it's, a lot of ads. Yeah, like I don't really this. Why did I click? It's a little clickbaitish. Yeah, it's a little clickbaitish for me. Um, so I'm 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 feeling the same thing you guys are feeling right now. Um, My frustration has been the not being able to have any like world news. I really don't know quite who to who to rely on for world news. Like, if I want to know what's going on outside of the United States, it's hard to know what's going on yeah. outside of the United States. It's very hard to, to know uh, what's going on outside. I kind of like the Sky News Australia. So I, I do. I, like I have too, followed yeah. them more. Yeah. Because... They're, they're against the Great actually, Reset. And, they, <laughs> they, and they'll actually report on stuff in the United yeah. States. And you're like, wait, Better what? than the United so, States. So, yeah. Sky News Australia. Yeah. Sky News Australia is good. Um, I also OAN's another one I've started to watch more when I when I whenever I, I don't watch stuff much, but uh, and then the other one is uh, I think it's called Real America's Voice um, is another. It's kind of like OAN, but uh, they have some shows on there, and I've turned that on a few times. And I I've, usually it's better commentary. I've turned I tried Newsmax, and it's okay. Like that's all I have to say. I, about I Newsmax. prefer to OAN. I think to Newsmax. Yeah, I think Newsmax. I do too a little bit. There's um, also Right Side, um, which. It's not, I mean, it's not a comprehensive news organization, but they do send people to specific places to, like, record things. So, like, they're, you know, they have a guy in D.C. right now just walking around filling all the barriers, so. Right. And I know some guys, uh, like, there's some guys I follow on social media, um, like. Andy No. Like Andy No. Andy, Andy No is a great source yeah. on Antifa and the right, he's great. Um, uh, Jack, uh. Posebic, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it, or Posebic, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, um, uh, but he, he's a guy who's also been, he's in, lives in D.C., takes a lot of footage of D.C., so again, I guess I'm going to that too, I'm going to sources that I, I, I've seen over time have been accurate about things, so I know they have, they're, they're trustworthy, they seem like they're after the truth, I can verify it over time, again, if I can um, find sources that agree with each other, uh, that make that strengthens what's being said. Um, Can I throw one out? That yeah, I go, for it, earlier, go for it. Uh, yeah, because I, I I consume more from just like if I find someone who over over a period of time I found them to be really trustworthy and they've they've broken good stuff. Um, I just follow their accounts and uh, Alex Berenson. I really like him for for uh, you know he's an individual account, but particularly on COVID hysteria and and hypocrisy and what's going on in the bigger picture with that um he's a he's a he's got a twitter account that's worth following he, he did a he did a book called like unreported truths that amazon tried to get uh tried to 
I don't know, take off of yeah. from sales and like Elon Musk if, stepped if, in and helped it, it funded that somehow. If they're not being a, censored, I don't trust them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's when, like, when people are really trying to censor you, I'm 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 pricking up my ears. Yeah, so. yeah. That, <laughs> is, that is actually a pretty good rule. Yeah, yeah, because if they're willing to take risks to get the truth out there, I respect reporters like that. That doesn't mean they're always accurate, but it does right. mean that there's more of a chance that they're they could be telling the truth and. Um, and those who have a similar, you know, th- those who have the same kind of anthropology or basically the same, like their view of man, their, if they're, you know, their religious views tend to line up more. They believe there is objective truth. That's really That's important. That's really the big one, right? You actually believe there's objective truth that happens in real time, then, um, you know, I think there's a big divide there. Mainstream so, doesn't. No, they don't, yeah, the mainstream is, media doesn't believe yeah. in objective truth. It's all about like, narrative truth. Yes. Truth is determined by narrative. So Find that's your story. That's the big and your story yeah. better be social yeah, like, like it's, or else. It's, it's, yeah, like we don't need the black perspective on this or the Asian perspective or the white perspective. Like we don't need panels telling us. We don't need guests from these different perspectives fighting with each other. I just want a guy who believes in reality and says, this is what happened. Yeah. And, you know, so I don't know if that helps anyone out there, but that's kind of kind of where we're at. There's with, quite a few sources that we well, that we mentioned. You know, at least to, I mean, but one of the things that is like, it's that, that I, for all of us is we're using different sources for different things. So like, if I want to know what's going on with Antifa, I go to Andy No. Right, right, If right. I want to know what's going on with COVID, I go to... Who's this? Alex, uh, Alex, Alex Berenson. Alex if Berenson. I want to know what's... So it's... And if you want to know... has become more pigeonholed. If you want to go... Um, if you want to know what's going on with Big Eva, then I'm going to say, like, one guy who's been consistently pretty accurate is Michael O'Fallon, Sovereign Nations. He's been pretty, he's been right on. He's said things like a year, two years ago, even longer, and you see them play out before your eyes. So that's, that's a guy that, and, and he has a lot to lose. <laughs> so that's, that's a guy that I tend to trust on, um, at least, you know, when he says something accurate, something that's, uh, not, not, not vague and stuff, but he's like, this is going to happen or this will, this is happening and this is the motive behind it. I listen to that. So yeah. There's an out, uh, an outlet I really like called the Gospel Collusion, and they seem to really just say things that really confirm yeah. my worldview. I like that. Yeah, the Gospel Coalition just parrots whatever the MSM is saying, adding a like a like a veneer of gospel-ish language. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I mean, I might as well go to MSNBC if I want to know kind of like what that narrative get is. Straight from the horse's yeah. mouth. Yeah, get it. Get yeah. Get the unadulterated, uh, unadulterated narrative. Um, if so, you want a good nationalist perspective, I actually recommend the French press. David Fre- David French, good nationalist. Yeah. Good nationalist perspective. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right. Well, that's 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 good. Um, it's a longer episode. I appreciate you guys watching. And if you want, again, if you want to support what we're doing, which is documentary filmmaking right now, uh, a really important story, um, getting it from the horse's mouth, uh, telling it accurately. We believe in objective truth. You can go to the info section and click on the Give, Send, Go link, and we'll be really appreciative. So, God bless.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.